It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, Scotty Barnes has finished his rookie season and is very much in the running for Rookie of the Year. We will talk about his candidacy and a wonderful piece written by today's guest about Scotty Barnes. It's James Herbert from CBSSports.com coming to talk all things Scotty. Plus, we will take our first look at the Raptors Sixers first round matchup. We have a full week of preview on hand, but our initial thoughts will be shared on today's show. Can the Raptors pull off the upset? We'll discuss coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it. So like I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1156 of Locked on Raptors for Tuesday, April the 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley, RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. You can also follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and all the audio apps for free. And we are on YouTube. We are closing in on 2,000 subs, baby. Go and jump over there. Hit the big red subscribe button and help support the show as the playoffs draw near uh today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at prize picks check out prizepicks.com use the promo code nba or go to your app store and download the app today prize picks is daily fantasy made easy more on them a little bit later on here in your first listen of the day apologies for no episode yesterday uh you may have seen my tweets if you are on twitter uh i've had covid since friday and it's been real bad and so i uh, finally have the uh the strength to stand up or sit up and do a podcast today we'll weather through it i may be sweaty in the process but that's fine because of a, we have a wonderful guest here today who can carry the day because he's wonderful and knows what he's talking about and often goes for long soliloquies, which is exactly what I'm looking for <laughs> on today's podcast. I'm looking for someone to drive while I can ride shotgun and maybe take a nap here and there as we go through. It is James Herbert from CBSSports.com. James, how the hell are you, pal? I'm doing great. I'm happy to know you're feeling a little bit better. And yeah, yeah no, I'm probably the most long-winded somewhat regular guest on this program so <laughs> i'll try to live up to that reputation and just ramble as much as possible usually i'm aiming it's... to do the opposite but i fail <laughs> <laughs> i think it's you and joe wolfond uh who kind of share mm. the title there we might have to have you on for just like a, a soliloquy off or something like that uh at some point in the future that would be fun uh maybe if this covid keeps keeps on persisting throughout the week i'll have to bring you guys both back to carry the day but uh glad to have you on today's show man and glad to talk about a piece you wrote last week which uh received high praise from i think really the whole basketball world for good reason it was a fantastic piece about scotty barnes and the lovable weirdo that he is uh just a a really great profile the anecdotes the quotes throughout i'm not going to spoil 
a whole lot of it because people should go read the piece. It's fantastic. There's stuff about Scotty doing Zumba with elderly people. If that's not a sell, I don't know what is. Uh, so we're going to talk about the piece today. We're also going to talk about Scotty and Rookie of the Year now that the season has come to a close. Of course, the Raptors played the Philadelphia 76ers in the playoffs as well. Uh, that is something we will talk about in the final segment of the show. We're also going to have plenty of Raptors Sixers preview Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of this week. So I figured it was all right to take Tuesday to reflect a little bit on the rookie season of one Scotty Barnes. So, James... Uh, you wrote this piece. It was very in-depth. You talked to, it seemed like a thousand people who have crossed Scotty Barnes's <laughs> orbit throughout his life. Uh, all just wonderful stories and tales of the kind of dude that he is. Uh, this must have been, I guess, like the easy, easy place to begin here is uh, how fun was this piece to put together for you? It was stressful at the end because <laughs> when you're looking at all of these different quotes from people, um, and a lot of like great stories and anecdotes and just people speaking to the kind of impact that he's left on, you know, high school, various high school teams, the college that he went to, all of that. Like, it's awesome stuff, but you're like, how am I going to do this? But I, I would say, like, the the best thing about this story is just getting to talk to people about Scotty Barnes. Like, that was where I had fun. Like, all those phone calls that I had and, like, almost every interview I did was over the phone. Um they were really enjoyable conversations and there a lot of them were long interviews where people were willing to just stay on the line as long as I needed because they loved talking about Scotty. And they hmm. like a lot of people said that, like I will do anything for Scotty Barnes, that kind of thing. And I, I tried to get that across like early in, in the piece was just kind of, I think I quoted maybe it was Jim Carr as high school coach at university school. It's just like, everybody's going to tell you the same thing. <laughs> and the, the stories did start to kind of run together. And I think, in a small way, I experienced what the Raptors scouts and front office people experienced months ago uh, mm -hmm. when they were calling some of these same people and other people trying to do their intel and do their get their intel, excuse me, and do their research on Scotty Barnes and ask about, you know, like, what's it like to coach him? What's he like with his teammates? What What's it like, like day to day being around this guy? What should I expect if he's on the team? What's his work ethic? Like all of these kind of standard questions along with, I think more pointed ones that I, I tried to illuminate in the story a little bit about just like, you know, the, the stuff that a lot of draft analysts were asking were the same things teams like the Raptors and other teams were asking. It's like, how is he going to score in the NBA? Right. And that kind of thing is what, we started to find out, I would say, pretty early in Scotty's professional career. Uh, there were really promising signs at Summer League. And then early in the season, he would just start out like gangbusters, like right from preseason onward. Um, so for me, I feel like I was starting at a point, like, because I started doing this like pretty early in this season, but right. I was already pretty confident that like what we were seeing from Scotty Barnes was significantly different than what certain people expected coming into the year. But if you had gotten an idea of the kind of person he is and the tools yeah. that he had, then you might've been able to see something like this coming. And I think like to the Raptors credit, they did. This might be even faster than they thought, right. but like they believed in like superstar upside um, from Scotty Barnes. Um, and that, that is, that is why they took him where, where they did. 
I don't know if this is something you could have gleaned from your conversations. Like, I, I'm always fascinated to think back to, like, the draft process and, like, how the Raptors were evaluating things as everyone's like, well, Jalen Suggs is obviously the pick. Jalen Suggs will replace Kyle Lowry. You pass the baton. It's easy. Done, done. Like, were you able to glean it all? Like, were the Raptors also, like, Suggs heads going into their workout with Scotty and then just like, oh, okay, no. this guy – or, like, how do you feel like the sort of – um the acclimation process to the idea of taking Scotty Barnes at four, like were you able to glean that at all from that conversation, like the conversations you had, like, do you think it was something where the process changed things for them or was Barnes kind of always top of their list because of his like physical attributes and stuff like that? So the impression that I, that I got was that the Raptors saw all five of the guys that ended up going top five as being like potential elite players and they, right. they saw them as elite tier prospects and Scotty Barnes is not the only one of these guys by the way that got like glowing reviews in terms of his like character and off the court traits and stuff like that like that wasn't um, necessarily the deciding factor um, for them it, it was important though and they did like have questions um, that they wanted to like have answered they wanted to see what he was like when they had an interview with him. The first one they did was in the was at the combine, and then he went and visited the the facility they had in Tampa Bay, the sort of makeshift home base that they had <laughs> the there. And they went through, <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, you can, I mean, you saw it, like some of this is like you can see it on Open Gym, like you can you can go and watch him have his hand measured, and like the guy who was doing right. it, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like like the, <laughs> the guy the guy's got Kawhi hands, and um, I, I think. The, the process for them was like they – I think Scotty had to prove to the rap – like Scotty was trying to sell the Raptors because the, the wide impression was, as you said, it, it, it sucks, it's a done deal. He was right. trying to say, like, pick me. Like right. he really wanted to go to Toronto. He wanted to go as high as possible, and I think he also just like – he liked what the Raptors were doing. He thought it would be a good fit there. Right. And he he wanted them and he tried to get that across. And I think from their perspective, it was sort of like, like Scotty, like we, we are big fans of you as well. Like, <laughs> like I, I think it, it was the kind of thing where he was always in the mix and he was an elite prospect, um, irrespective of the fact that he seems like this special person because right. he is the exact sort of prototype of what a modern NBA superstar, like just looking at his body, like that, that characteristic, the, the ability to play multiple positions, guard all five positions really in, in his case, and yeah. also be a guy you can run offense through and has high potential on that end that has a really good feel for the game and processing speed. Like that's what you look for. And uh, that the differentiation between Suggs and Barnes and this is something that like this isn't like new reporting for me, but like I did want to kind of confirm it. Like it, it's the same stuff they talked about right after they picked Scotty Barnes. <laughs> it was it was they looked at him and they saw a guy who fits not only their team, but the way the NBA is going. Right. And there's nothing that they could do with Jalen Suggs to make him into a six, seven ish guy with a seven, three wingspan like they and they everybody that that I know, like likes Jalen Suggs a lot. And he, yep. he was a guy, all the stories, it was a little bit different than Scotty's stories, but it was like, you know, quarterback, leader of the team, plays really hard, like really good intangibles also. It was just um, the, the, the Raptors knew they had an opportunity that they have not had in a long time and probably will not have 
for a long time because of all the things that had to happen to get the fourth pick. They did not want to get this wrong. Uh, they did not want to just take the consensus pick because he was the consensus pick. They took this very seriously and they considered Scotty Barnes, like they knew going in, they were going to consider him to the same degree they were going to consider uh, Jalen Suggs, the same degree they were going to consider like Evan Mobley and, and, and all of that. Um, yeah. And so that that was something that like I wanted to to kind of get in the piece somehow. I didn't spend that much time in it, but I, I think I have like a line or two about kind of that that rationale like the, the sense that i got is is that the raptors were betting on the upside and then they were also confident um i think the way i put it in the piece was like they were they were betting on his ability to amplify um other players so right. if he doesn't reach the immense potential he has then he's still the guy that's going to fit in well and make the other guys better oh no he's just prime lamar odom what are we going to do uh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean that's uh that's that you know i'm not surprised to hear that like they were you know okay the six foot nine guy who plays defense is probably someone we're going to look at in the draft i don't think they were surprised or anything like that when he emerged as their top guy but uh interesting to hear the rationale behind it uh, my last thing for you james on the piece uh, you mentioned that it's a difficult thing because there's so many different anecdotes and stories and everything like that. Whenever you're writing a big profile, and not that I've written a ton of these in my day, I'm a bad writer, you see. But in the times where you do write something where you have a lot of stories and quotes and you've reported things out, you got to leave a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor. Do you have a favorite quote or story that didn't make it into the piece about Scotty Barnes? I had. So some of the guys I talked to were just like delightful to, to talk to. Um, right. CY Young, uh, who actually he he just got a job. I think the same day the story came out, he, they they had a press. The pitcher, press the famous where, baseball pitcher, is that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally same same guy. Um, no, uh, he just <laughs> tight, he just moved tight. from from Florida State to to Mizzou, but um, he had a lot of like kind of killer quotes. I think in the story, but also stuff that didn't make the piece where. Uh, he was saying that like he was like people were surprised that he went for like I, I thought I was like why didn't he go too and he was <laughs> like kind of ranting and railing against the teams that passed up on him like I, there was a quote where it's like can you read and write and do arithmetic um just sort of <laughs> killing the other teams for for uh letting the like letting the Raptors get him basically uh yeah there there were there were a bunch of I mean he he said he compare like he always when he watched scotty he thought he was magic and then other times right he would look at him and he would see scotty pippen and he had a quote where he was like i would tell the nba teams this and they'd be like oh okay buddy like you college coaches are crazy and um <laughs> there, there was there was sort of a, a sense of like we knew and I don't know what the hell the other people were thinking from right. from numerous people who have been around Scotty. Uh, I would say CY Young was probably the most like entertaining to hear do that. But a few different guys um, kind of had similar sentiments to share of like, if, if you've been around him, you knew like you should not be surprised with what he's doing because this is this is who he is. This is the kind of guy he is. And this is the kind of impact that, that he'll have on a team. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, everyone go read the piece. I, I can't say it enough if you haven't read it yet. It takes some time. It's uh, it's well worth sitting down. <laughs> it, I got to say, when I was sitting there on Friday, addled with COVID, it was just like, you know what, baby, we're going to read this piece. It's going to be fantastic, <laughs> and it's going to take up this whole part of my day. Uh, so, yeah, go check out the piece for sure. The link is in the description below. 
uh, if you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, well, this will also be in the description if you're listening to the audio version. So go read the piece. We're going to keep on talking about Scotty Barnes when it comes to the Rookie of the Year race coming up in just one second here with James Herbert. But first, we got to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, who have made daily fantasy easy at long last. It's easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over-under in their projections. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers, which is how it should be. It's not you against some shadow expert hiding behind the scenes with some lineup you haven't seen before. It's just the projections. That's the way it should be. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. And Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. You can just use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play to get yourself set up. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points scored to rebounds, even steals. You can even do mixed sport entries. So say you want a little action on the play-in games tonight and the Toronto Blue Jays playing the dastardly New York Yankees and you want to say, oh, I think Vlad's going to hit two bombs tonight. You can go ahead and do that while also picking Darius Garland to score over whatever his projected points are. Go and do it. It's a ton of fun to mix match those sports and it's great for the playoffs, right? You're not doing your season-long fantasy anymore. Go play daily fantasy throughout the NBA postseason over at Prize Picks and they have other sports as well mlb college football soccer mma so much more for a limited time prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer offer for all of our users get 50 bucks for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point but you must use that code nba that's right this is an exclusive offer available only to locked on listeners sign up today and use the code nba for 50 dollars for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point it's not often that a player that has a projection is not scoring a single point in the game this is free money baby go and sign up at prize picks today and today's show is also brought to you by our pals over at bet online betonline.net is your number one source for all the betting stats info news updates injury breakdowns everything you might need to be the informed better bet online has you covered they have you covered with league reviews and news and podcasts covering the basketball playoffs of course the start of the major league baseball season we're really in sean's sweet spot here with baseball and basketball happening at the same time at uh, quite a level of fervor go and have some fun at bet online to take part in all the baseball and basketball action and you can get more than just the the sports that we talked about here there's all the other sports the nhl playoffs are coming up soon here you got esports you got live betting casino games so much more head to the website or use your mobile device today and learn more about the trends in the action bet online is where the game starts and we continue on here. We will talk about uh, Rookie of the Year, Scotty Barnes, and whether he's going to win in just a second here. But you did text me while I was doing my ad read there, James. Yes, I'm pulling back the curtain here. You have another Scotty story. I'm an idiot. Uh, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> but to be clear, I was calling myself an idiot. Um, so I one of my favorite things that I, I thought was going to be in that in that piece and didn't end up making uh, didn't end up making the final version. Um, so this guy, Kino Maurice Jordan, he's a, he's actually like a record producer. He's an artist, but he's also the founder of, uh, the AAU team Knight Riders that, um, Scotty played for. And he told me there was this tournament This is Scotty's like very young. I think he was in seventh grade or something like that at, at this point, he's playing AAU and they lose this tournament game and the team was going to drive back. Um, home from the tournament, he was actually going to fly because he had some exam to take or something. Right. Um, but Scotty was so distraught at the end of this tournament that he was crying and he was like inconsolable and he ends up missing his flight. He goes back to the rest, like with the rest of the team and he's just kind of a wreck the entire time. And like the, the point of the story was like, 
Scotty has always cared about winning to an absolutely extreme <laughs> degree. Yeah. Uh, basically, he has learned how to deal with it better uh, because uh, <laughs> the story that did make the piece was when Kino was was with Scotty earlier this year. Uh, they lost a it was a one point game, I, I think, on that tip in the, the against the, the Cavs. Um, yeah. And that that was in Toronto, and like the two of them went back to Scotty's apartment, and he was fine. They they watched basketball and ordered food, uh, <laughs> but but uh, he's still an extremely competitive person. Uh, but when he was younger, the the emotions were a little more difficult to control for Scotty. That sounds like uh, not unlike every one of us, I would say. Uh, <laughs> I used to lose, cry when I would lose my way all the time. Maybe still do. I don't know. Uh, Relatable, man. Yeah, there's a world in which Scotty Barnes will have to reckon with losing something when the Rookie of the Year votes are revealed, but perhaps not. Uh, it seems like in the back part of the season here, James, he has maybe taken a slight edge over Mobley in terms of who's the favorite to win it. Uh, you know, I, I certainly have my own little echo chamber of the basketball folks I follow, but it does seem like a lot of those people have slowly crept over to the Scotty Barnes side of the aisle. Is it fair? I don't know. I don't really care about Rookie of the Year, if I'm being totally honest about it. But um, it, it is certainly something that is going to be talked about. And you, James, when CBS Sports revealed all of your staff award picks earlier, I guess yesterday, uh, you had Scotty Barnes winning Rookie of the Year. I think one of two or three people on the CBS staff to vote for him. Uh, I mean, the debate is... Uh, certainly compelling. Evan Mobley's defense has been borderline all defense level this season. You don't see that from rookies, and it's very possible that Evan Mobley's defensive accomplishments far outstrip the difference in Barnes's offense versus Mobley's offense. Like, you know, I would say it's pretty clear Barnes is the more advanced offensive player right now, but the defense for Mobley is ridiculous. Uh, what was your rationale for putting Scotty number one? Is it just like, you know, the fact that he's played a ton more minutes at this point? that he's been on a team that won three more games in the regular season and finished the season strong. Obviously the Cavs have injuries that they're dealing with, and I don't think that they're playing to their true level of talent lately, but uh, why is Scotty Barnes ahead of Evan Mobley for you? And do you think he has a good ch chance of winning? Yeah, it, it was really close. And I think yeah. we should start there because this is... All of the rookies are good is the thing. They're all excellent. <laughs> There's no wrong answer. Yeah, I mean, when you say all, like Franz Wagner in a normal year would be a very good Rookie of the Year candidate. Yeah. Um, Cade Cunningham, just just what he did in March alone um, would many years make him the favorite. And some people have actually voted for, for Cade. Uh, like they're, they've announced that their ballots are in and that, that's the way they voted. I, I had him as a pretty clear third. Um, but, you know you're talking about uh, like the differences on the margins here, because I think yeah. most of us can agree. Like if you just go through the statistics and I think it's been reflected by the general sentiment um, in terms of how people talk about this race, Scotty had the lead at the beginning of the year. Mobley pretty firmly took over for a good portion of the middle of the season. Yeah. And then Scotty has made this huge push after the all-star break. And like, can you just decide unilaterally to have them split the award like Jason Kidd and Grant Hill did? No, that's not how it works. You have to pick one. Yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of looked at it and I just, I, I think Scotty has slight edges, right? Because the way that he improved over the second half, actually I shouldn't say second half, like from the all-star onward, 
that had this like tangible impact on like the team getting better. Like it, it correlated right. to that. It was one of the few causes of that at the time. Um, you, you saw him evolve into a different sort of player than he was at the beginning of the year. I think there have been defensive improvements. I think the offensive ones are the ones that stand out, obviously, because he's just gotten so much more efficient. He is, I think, oh, like not even necessarily like sharpened the skills so much as just understood more about who he is and how he can get right. his buckets in the NBA, which he had a decent understanding of when he first started. But now it's just like, if he has a matchup advantage, like he's bigger than everybody. I think exactly of it, right. <laughs> yeah. If he has a matchup advantage, he is taking advantage of that. And not just him, like the team is looking for him more. They don't run a lot of plays for him, but they will like, give him the ball and run stuff through him sometimes. And they will look for him on certain nights. I, I think what's really yeah. interesting about Scotty is, um, you know, I was talking to my friend, Danny Chow, uh, who lives in Toronto now, and she's been following, like watching like every game. And the, the way that he put it was he can scale up his role up or down, depending on, like what is needed from him. I, I had a line that was sort of cribbed from that conversation with him in the piece. So th thank you, Danny. Um, but, <laughs> but not like, I mean, you can watch him look like a superstar and you can watch him look like a, like Uber role player. And sometimes yeah. that's happening in the same game, depending on the yeah. lineup that he's out there on the floor with and what, like who is guarding him on the other end. And I, I think he is just, so clearly figured out a way to be an important part of what the Raptors are doing defensively pri primarily like he is a rover a lot of the time like Pascal Siakam was but also like one-on-one -on -one, I think he's been like he's shown some improvement over the year and he is like the, maybe like the most fearless one-on-one -on -one defender in the league like he will like straight up ask to guard Trey Young which like he shouldn't have yeah. done like Trey Young no. like, <laughs> killed him but but the point is he's enthusiastic right yeah, like yeah. he he wants that and he goes really hard he loves pressuring ball handlers he loves battling centers he likes all of this I didn't quote him on that but I had a quote where he literally just said like I enjoy doing like that part I enjoy doing this part it's all like the same and like basically he just wants to help the team however he can and he can help his team in like a hundred ways. Uh, Evan Mobley is like the best defensive rookie since Tim Duncan. That is what yeah. I, I, I think having watched his season, he is a legit all defense player. Uh, Herb Jones also a legit all defensive player, by the way. But um, I just think it, it's tough. Like you're splitting hairs, but late in the season, I think there's a couple things that happen on the offensive end. Some of the flashes that were so exciting early on in the year, where it'd be like, oh, hey, Evan Mobley is running an inverted pick and roll where like a guard is screening for him, <gasps> like just taking this jumper. Um, oh, wow, Evan Mobley got the ball in, in the mid post and he made this nice move. He has a smoother offensive game than everybody said. Like that stuff, like those turned out to just be kind of flashes. Right. And not a thing that the Cavs could go to when they needed. He was not a super effective offensive player. His usage rate was not high. Uh, he was not a guy driving their offense when it looked good. And it would have helped their offense if he could do a little bit more with the damn ball because they don't have a lot of creators. They had to go and make the Karis Levert trade to address that issue. Um, right. And Levert hasn't been super efficient. So they still have the same problem. Um, so I think... Mobley's offensive ceiling is very high because he's shown those flashes, but as a rookie, like he was not super productive in that role. He's mainly a play finisher, which is fine, but Scotty is not just a play finisher. Um, and then on the defensive end, like still, like I, I stand by what I said, incredible defensive player, 
but I, I think you you found out it was a little bit more of like a team thing than maybe it looked like early on. Like when Jared Allen got hurt and was out of the lineup, like it it slipped. And he yeah. was still by like Evan Mobley is by far their best defender with, with Jared Allen out. But the Cavs were not the same kind of defensive team. And I, I, I think it was at that point of the season where they needed him to kind of be everything for them. And he was still excellent defensively. But the team did kind of drop off. And this is not to say, oh, like Raptors finished above the Cavs in the standings. (laughs) Ergo, Scotty Barnes is the the rookie of the year. But I think that the manner in which they got there, where Scotty raised his game to another level and Mobley, I think not that anyone should have necessarily expected him to make a similar jump, but he just kind of didn't do that. And if he had done it, then maybe they would be in a better place than, than, than they are right now. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way to sum it all up. And and I guess I would just kind of add upon that and say, you know, look, there's no wrong answer here. It's all very stupid. I think everyone Mm -hmm. getting angry about who doesn't win is is like really missing the whole point here. Like there are lots of really good players in this rookie class are going to be awesome for a very long time. And I've thought all along that 10 years from now, when we're looking at an Eastern Conference with, you know, where Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley and Cade Cunningham have dominated for, you know, the better part of a decade, we're going to look back at this piddly little rookie of the year race and be like, wow, that was cute. Wasn't it? Why, why did we care about that at all? Look how good these guys are. Look how like stacked the top of the East is because of them. So like, yeah, I'm really like unbothered. It would be cool for Scotty to win it. Of course, that would be very nice validation and all of that. And boy, oh boy, do Raptors fans love themselves some validation, but I I don't (laughs) think it's like some hollow award if he does win either where it's based on recency bias, right? Like I think, he does have like a very legitimate claim. And I think the claim is, yeah, maybe he's not quite the defender that Evan Mobley is, but he's had to defend all of the positions, like literally one of the most versatile defenders in the NBA. When you break down like who he's guarding, the position he's guarding, like he's guarded everybody just about equally. He is playing point guard at times. He is playing as a center at times. Like he's just had to like fill all these different roles and be a chameleon in the way that Evan Mobley hasn't. And again, that's not a slight against Mobley. He's amazing. And he's played four, he's played five. He's, you know, obviously been another worldly defender, but he hasn't had to run the, the, the Cavs offense. He's had Darius Garland there having an incredible season to help mm-hmm. him along with that. And the Raptors, the way they operate, it's not really like they run a ton of pick and roll where the guy who's the roller is able to just succeed because everyone else around him is offering space and talent and pocket passing and lob passing and all this stuff. Like a lot of the time they're just like, all right, Scotty, go score on somebody, please. And then he will because he is taller than everybody and has like this weird jitterbug game that no one's really figured out. And I just think the fact that Barnes has been able to wear so many hats to me, accounts for the difference in the overall defensive production between him and Mobley. And I think the offensive repertoire for Barnes is just so obviously beyond that of Mobley's. But I, I would also say like Cade's offensive repertoire is beyond both of them. And so, yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's like there's again, there's no wrong answer here. Uh, do you have like a final prediction? I know you talk to a lot of the people who actually have votes for this type of thing. Do you have a prediction on who's going to win? I just think it'll be close. I, I yeah. mean, I, just, I I don't think a prediction would even mean much at this point. Like, I, I think people are split. I was torn. I've been working yeah. on the Barnes profile all year. Like, I had every reason to <laughs> to think he was the favorite all along. Until, like, two weeks ago, I, I thought I was going to pick Mobley. Yeah. And I could still make the case for Mobley. Even offensively. Sure. Like, the way, like, they'll do these high-low passes. Sometimes it's Kevin Love finding him like he's done his entire career. Sometimes it's Mobley finding Jared Allen. Like, yeah. he... 
he is a skilled player. He is not as offensively skilled as Scotty Barnes. I, I think he has star potential on both ends. He's just not quite as far along on offense. It's just, it's really tight. Like I just, I can't, if anybody picks Mobley, I don't have a, like I, it doesn't make me feel any kind of way at all. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, I think they're both good picks. I think the, the momentum, like the vibes seem to point towards Scotty, but I've, the vibes have always seen... point towards Scotty in all facets of life. James. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a, the vibes right now in general are just very raptory in, in the, yeah. in the NBA world right now, um, in terms of the playoffs, in terms of this race, everything. Uh, but I, I mean, I have seen some of the early votes that have come in and people have published their picks and like, I have seen people who have picked Mobley and it's not the reason why it's hard to predict is that oftentimes it's like, you can kind of figure out who the factions are and why people are doing what, right. Like among the people who care about like analytics and stuff like that, it is still split. Yeah. <laughs> like it is, it is not as if there's like an obvious choice for like, this is like the, I want to prove I'm like smarter than everybody else. I'm taking a, a kind of like, you know, a numbers based approach to this thing. I'm not afraid to go against the, the conventional wisdom. And then here's the, like, I'm a pure hooper and I'm picking who like scored the most points. Like, <laughs> not nah, like, that's not, that's not what this is. <laughs> it's like, th these, these are both like really, really good rookie of the year candidates. And by the way, like 10 years from now, like you're going to look back on the draft. You're going to look back on the 2019 team USA team that had, uh, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Green, and Jalen Suggs on it and just destroyed everybody. And you're going to look <laughs> back at, at Scotty Barnes's senior year of high school where he's on the same team as Cade Cunningham. And oh, by yeah. the way, Moses Moody and, and Dayron Sharper on that that team as well. And that's maybe the best high school team that's ever been assembled. And like, it's it's a little early, but like there could be books written about this draft class. Yeah. Like that, that is what we are talking about here. So if Scotty is second, it, whatever, like there's no shame in that. It, it is, it is truly like this, this has the potential to be a really, really special class. And like you, you nailed it with regard to Cade because he has been like just driving everything that that team has done offensively and the supporting cast around him makes that very difficult. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Uh, we're going to pivot out of the Rookie of the Year talk. Uh, we're going long on this podcast, but we didn't do a podcast yesterday, so we're making up for it, baby. James is doing what he was brought in to do. He understood the assignment. It's fantastic. We are going to finish up on the other side and talk about Raptors, Sixers, get James's initial impressions. Uh, and uh, am I a homer for thinking the Raptors should maybe be favored in this series? We will get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Rock auto who are the place to go if you have auto parts needs and the reason for that is because they offer you selection and choice they give you the power back because normally when you go to the mechanic and you're like hey my car's broken i need some help here i need this part fixed they will say all right we got that part it costs this much money and there's nothing that we can do but it. it's the only one we have access to you just got to pay full freight that's not how it should be man you should go to rockauto.com search for the, the parts that you need for your car Buy it on rockauto.com for a discounted price and then bring it to the mechanic and say, hey, put this in my car. They have to do it. They can't just saddle you with the part they have on hand. If you bring them a part, they got to put it in your car for you or you can bring it to your father-in-law or something like that. I know nothing about cars, but my father-in-law certainly does. Either way, Rock Auto is saving you money on car parts. End of story. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is going to run you about 353 bucks from a typical chain store. It's 216 bucks at rockauto.com. That's a lot of scratch that you could be spending on things that are not your car. No one wants to spend money on their car. You know, we're not all Vin Diesel out here. You just want to get from point A to point B. 
Rock Auto helps you do that effectively without being held over the barrel when you go to the mechanic and feeling like you have no power or say in the process. They got everything you might need from the important stuff to the aesthetic stuff and everything in between. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in your how did you hear about us box and then let me send you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we round out your first listen of the day here with some quick thoughts on Raptors, Sixers in the first round. The 4-5 series gets going on Saturday at 6 p.m. Not the NBA TV game, baby. That's the Sixers effect. We love it. Uh, we are going to uh, dig into that series a little bit more throughout the week, of course. We have a full crossover episode with Keith and Devon from Locked On Sixers coming probably Thursday for you. Vivek Jacobs is going to be on tomorrow. We're going to talk about the series. We'll have lots and lots of preview, but we should begin here, James. Uh, I have been reckoning with this series quite a bit. I've been reading the stuff. I've been listening to the podcasts. I've been just ruminating on this, looking at the... I'm actually going to go and watch the two games from the back part of the season with the James Harden-led uh, Sixers losing to the Raptors later today probably will inform my thoughts even more. But I'm having a hard time with this one because everything is screaming to me, the Raptors have a very good chance of winning this series. Maybe they should be favored? I don't know. Is that a homer pick? Or like, are the Sixers in some trouble here? No, I mean... I don't think it's a homer pick. I just listened to the rights to Ricky Sanchez and my buddy Michael Levin picked the Raptors in seven. Like that, that yeah. is a Sixers podcast. And um, I, I don't think Sixers fans themselves have a ton of confidence in their team and particularly in the coaching staff right now. Uh, Docker versus yeah, snapped at a reporter about is, Paul uh, Reed. <laughs> some trouble over there. Yeah. Um, so like remember the the backup center conversation from a, a few years back that that, oh, that never really went away in Philadelphia aside from I mean I guess even when they had Andre Drummond who was like playing really well as a backup center there was still the concern of like well like what if they play against a team that would make him theoretically defend on the perimeter like what the hell are we going to do um mm-hmm. so I mean Philadelphia hasn't quite fixed that problem Paul Reed was a guy, I mean, he's a pretty raptory player, honestly. Um, yeah. Like a sort of weirdo 6'9 guy who rebounds super well and can shoot threes sort of well, but is inconsistent. I think Hollinger actually said when he came in the draft, like this is like high, high, high upside, best case scenario is like a Siakam type player. Um, right. And he's the guy, all the Sixers fans want to see him play. Uh, Doc has played him extremely sparingly and then kind of acted like he's played him all the time against small teams, which is not, not true. Um, so like, shout out to lying. It's the best. (laughs) Yeah. So I think in Philadelphia, there, there's a lot of concern about like numerous things. Uh, they, they are a very sort of slow and not adaptable, uh, and just kind of clunky team in comparison to Toronto. Now they, Mm -hmm. They also have two superstars on their team and Tyrese Maxey, who is a potential star and had a great season is shooting the hell out of the ball. Uh, so I would urge Toronto like as a city to not 
get ahead of itself too quickly because like this i still think will be a tough series even if you're picking the raptors to win which like by the way like i'll if you ask me for a pick i'll say raptors in six like i do think it's a very good matchup for toronto but there there's things that the raptors are going to have to do like they're going to have to turn them over and they're going to have to not foul them yeah yeah, the the fouling is certainly a problem. The Raptors have cleaned that up over the course of the season. Yeah, like insane foul proneness. I think it was Vivek Jacob tweeted out a graphic last night. They were like 29th in opposing free throw rate for the first half of the season, 16th in the back half. So that's helpful. That's positive progress. That speaks to and sort of aligns with where their defense kind of got rolling and started to climb up the rankings into the top 10. Um, I, I guess. My like if I, I still don't know where I'm going to go with my official pick, I'll probably make it on the crossover episode with Keith and Devon later in the week. But my if I'm picking the Sixers, it's just because Embiid is incredible. And mm-hmm. I remember the series against the Raptors where, yes, the Raptors won it. But when he was on the floor, uh, they were unbelievable. And he was like a plus 80 over the course of that series. Of course, there will be backup minutes. I guess I'm just expecting them to play Embiid more through. I, I don't know. It, like he's been healthy this season. He had gastroenteritis in that series in 2019. I have a lot of respect for Joel Embiid and I am truly horrified at what like a full Embiid explosion looks like against this Raptors team where they don't have the size to really contend with. And if he's like whipping double, like passes at a double teams and guys are knocking down threes, it could be a problem for the Raptors pretty quickly mm-hmm. here, but there's lots going in the other way as well. And I guess Matisse Thibel is the next place to go here. He's going to miss the Toronto games in this series. Uh, we don't need to get into how dumb his comments are, but they're pretty dumb uh, about why he didn't get the second shot. Uh, just the whole onion. I don't feel like peeling today. But um, I, I've been struggling with this one, James, because I'm not sure it's as big a deal as it's being made out to be that Matisse Thibel is going to be unavailable for the games in Toronto. I think there's certainly something to the idea of like the rotations being messed up and like the rhythm being thrown off there with bringing a guy in and out and having to adjust based on whether he's available or not. But like as much as he's a great defensive player and he's a very, very good defensive player, he's had nothing for the Raptors big wings this season. Like Siakam has torched the Sixers all season long. Thibel had nothing for him in that game in Philly a couple weeks ago. Uh, Scotty Barnes is not going to, he's like six inches on Matisse Thibel. He's six foot five. Um, obviously, he's a guy who could throw a lot of length and problems at Fred Van Vliet's way, but the Raptors are not a Fred centric offense anymore. And so I'm not even sure that really matters all that much. And obviously, when he's on the floor, he is an offensive liability. He doesn't hit threes. He is just like not someone that you're worried about. He's the exact kind of player the Raptors will funnel stuff to and be very happy if possessions are ending with him. And so like, I kind of feel like it might be just like a net neutral, whether he's available or not, but that also kind of speaks to a problem with the Sixers that he's their best defensive wing. And are you even sure that it's a problem if he's not on the floor? Am I underrating the significance of Matisse Thibel here? Or do you think there are pros and cons to him being available in this series for Philly? I think it's more complicated in this matchup than it would be in most, because I think right. like by and large, if you just tell me like the Sixers are going into a series and they're not going to have Matisse Thibel in half the games or in the road games or whatever, I'd be like, oh, crap. Like that is by right. far their best like perimeter defensive player. That is the guy like when they like, I mean, they didn't have Ben Simmons this year anyway, but like the idea was you, you trade Ben for an offense first player. Like at least you still have an elite all NBA type. And he was like when I picked all NBA, I had Matisse on my on my second team. Um, like you have that guy to guard the opposing team's best player. And I think he is somebody that you would want to to stick on Fred Van Vliet if you're Philly. And that does matter. How much it matters, I 
it depends on what happens at the other end, who takes his minutes, what the rotation looks like, all that stuff. Because I think it will matter. Like all of these like little decisions on the margins, like how much, like, like how many minutes can he actually ride the starters in this series? How much can you play Danny Green without wearing him down? How much can you trust Shake Milton in, in this situation? All, all of these things will, will matter. For Philadelphia, they do not have a very deep team. Uh, they did not give Isaiah Joe the run this season to like get him to a place. It's it's sort of like the Paul Reed thing, uh, where Rivers can trust him. So I'd be pretty surprised to see him get any minutes. Furkan Korkmaz's confidence has kind of dwindled o- over the course of the year. He has not had a good season by and large. Um, so that that might not be a guy who get who sees the floor at all in this series, even in the games where Thibel doesn't play. So it's just, it, it is tricky because I think everything you said is right. I, I think they, they, who they really miss against Siakam is Ben Simmons. I, yeah. I don't know yeah. that the, that Thibel is strong enough to deal with Pascal, especially the way that he's playing right now. I don't know, frankly, that the Sixers have a proper answer for him. I, I think it's going to be a showing him bodies, um, regardless of who has the primary matchup, because I don't think they have a primary matchup. And I think that it's sort of similar to like what the Raptors have to deal with with Embiid. Um, yeah, even when I, the Raptors had Marcus all, they <laughs> were swarming him. They were doubling yeah. him. Fred Van Vliet was coming and digging down and slapping the ball out of his hands. And sometimes they were doing it off the catch. Sometimes they were doing it off the bounce. Sometimes they're like, all right, Mark, you got him. Like the, the, what they try to do more than any team in the NBA, I think is to get into stars heads and to make them think. And yep. they they have had success against Embiid doing that relative success, um, and they have had relative success against Harden doing that. And the past couple of meetings have had like great success against Harden doing that. So it just like can they continue to do that without sending those guys to the free throw line? Like that matters. And then as far as the Thibel thing, it's like what like what is what they're theoretically gaining from offense. Um, doing for them compared to what they're obviously losing on defense. Because yeah. I think the way that the Raptors play defensively, uh, they pretty aggressively cheat off of guys like Thibault. The reason why Harden has looked so bad in these past two meetings, like, yes, part of it is they have individual guys who can move their feet and stay in front of Harden. But a lot of it is he's looking past them and he's right. seeing guys that are just waiting for him. And you've seen the Raptors play like this all year. Um, and I think that is harder to do when instead of Thibel, you have a Danny Green or a Shake Milton or whoever, whoever is out yeah. there. And I think to the Siakam point as well, like you think back to 2019 and the Sixers move was, all right, well, we'll just stick Embiid on Siakam. He's not really, he's not like the primary part of their offense. It's completely different now though. And I don't know if you can expend the resource that is Joel Embiid defensively as your backline rim protector to be the guy that you just have go chase Pascal Siakam around. Like, that doesn't feel like it's going to work either. And I guess the thing... They tried it last series, game. It didn't work. Yeah, didn't work at all. It made it, made it look very bad. Uh, you know, the thing about this series, the reason I feel good about the Raptors' chances is the Raptors are going to be able to play the way they want to play. The Sixers are not a, like, run and gun off of your misses or, you know, you're crashing offensive boards. It's not going to make you hurt off of that. They're a pretty slow and plotting team. They are not a very good rebounding team altogether. The Raptors are probably going to be able to make some hay on the offensive glass. I think they had 20 offensive rebounds in the game last Friday. Chris Boucher is going to feast there, especially if Embiid has to step out a couple steps to deal with Siakam in the mid-range game, and he's like operating from the middle of the floor. Like There's going to be that soft spot in behind for those offensive rebounds to be grabbed. 
And the Raptors are going to be able to play the way they want to play. They want to play a hyper-aggressive defense. They want to get the ball moving and force turnovers. And they're going to be invited to do that against Joel Embiid. And I just don't know if there's enough guys who I'm like terrified of burning them on the backside of that. Harden doesn't like catch and shoot threes. Tobias Harris is, you know, a, a longtime contributor to Raptors successes in the past. Like, I, I do think there's just like the Raptors are going to be able to play. They want to play basketball. The Sixers are going to be thrown into a whole bunch of uncomfortable situations that are not how they want to play basketball. And for me, I feel like that kind of gives the Raptors a bit of an edge here, not to mention the Nurse versus Doc Rivers thing, which I think is a pretty clear advantage one way over the other. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, man. We're going to keep on digging into it throughout the year. Any final parting shots here? Not the year, but for the rest of the week. My brain's goo. Uh, any parting shots here on the series before we, uh, we wrap this up? Yeah, I think I'm just interested in how the series is going to evolve and kind of like you know, the, the little matchup based things. Like I, I assume that the Sixers are going to like, just as we were talking about with Thibault, like I think the Sixers are going to pretty aggressively cheat off of the Raptors supposed non-shooters. Now everybody shoots for the Raptors. Like Scotty Barnes shoots threes, Precious Achua shoots threes, even Ken Burt shoots threes. Right. But <laughs> I, I think they will, I, I think they will like disrespect pretty much everyone who is not Fred Van Vliet or Gary Trent Jr. Who's like in the rotation and on the three point line. And that's the, that OG, is what they will I would try. want to respect OG if I'm them. He's a 40% shooter. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, I think they will even like disrespect him a little bit, not to the same extent as the other guys, but like, I'm just, I, I think the way that they're going to probably try to approach this is just give them no spacing and see yeah. if you can completely kill their ability to like get in the paint and kick out um, to the actual shooters that they care about. Right. Um, now the Raptors still have like, they, they see that that's, they deal with that all the time. I don't think that's like a huge like novelty for them, but in the playoffs, typically these things are a little done with a little bit more discipline and done where they analyze like every little choice about exactly what they want to do and what situation against what lineup with what, personnel they have on the floor i want to kind of see how that develops I, I want to see as i said earlier like can the raptors force turnovers against this team because they're the, they're incredible at forcing turnovers i just wrote a thing the other week about them and the hornets and the grizzlies and how they win the possession game with chaos rather than with sort of the controlled way we're going to slow it down and take care of the ball like philadelphia yeah. is a we're going to slow it down and take care of the ball team they don't run um they do not really turn it over much because their offense is not very complicated. They have a bunch of high pick and roll with their two guys. They have ISOs for their two guys and like the tertiary guys kind of get in where they fit in the occasional, yeah. like, yeah, we're going to run something through Tobias on the second unit. Sure. Fine. Um, so can you turn over that type of team? We've seen the Raptors do it. The Sixers presumably are going to be better prepared now. Um, yeah. If the Raptors are not getting offense from their transition, um, then they become quite reliant on offensive rebounds in the half court. And it just becomes this like little give or take thing where like, however many extra possessions you get in the game depend, like determines whether or not you win. So yeah. those little things are the kind of things I'm going to be watching. Cause if you're just talking about like vibes and where the teams are at, like the, the Sixers <laughs> were looking quite strong, like five games into the Harden experience. And then the vibes have just tumbled the, the Raptors. It, you, you know the direction that is trending and they're feeling very good about themselves. They feel like they know exactly who they are as a team, whereas the Sixers are trying to find it. And I would just say like, 
over the course, like you can look at recent champions, you can look at recent teams that have gone to the conference finals. Like a lot of the time, the team that you are at the beginning of your playoff run is different. You morph into something else. You figure out how you can play, who you can trust. That right. that Raptors series against Philly three years ago, they were a different team in the finals than they were that series. The Sixers yeah. were a different team in that series than they were in that first round because now Jimmy <laughs> Butler is running the whole show. Like I, I think this play, this series could go to weird places, and I just I'm kind of curious what that is all going to look like. Yeah, to your points on just like the way the Sixers want to play. Uh, the Raptors 27th in pace, the Sixers 26th in pace, the Raptors third in turnover percentage. The but, uh, but like, they're 27th the in pace despite the fact that transition yeah. frequency yeah. is up high. Like they they yeah. play with tempo. They yeah. make other teams play slow, and that's part yeah. of why their pace number is down. And then also sometimes their half court offense can take a while to get anything yeah. going. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. No. It's just it's interesting. Interesting how like the profile does kind of mirror each other, and how that's going to kind of come into play in the series for sure. Yeah. It's going to be super fascinating. I, my sort of take on this is, I don't like. I, I don't think anyone's getting swept in this series, and I think the Sixers are favorites. But if there's a team that's going to get swept, I think it's the Sixers. <laughs> does that make any sense? Like, I could see like the meltdown potential being much higher for them than the Raptors, if that makes any sense at all. Um, you know, you, you drop two at home and then you don't have Thibel for games three and four, and I could see it being a complete nightmare disaster. But maybe that gets Doc Rivers fired and maybe changes the future of that team. Uh, we are going to wrap it there, though. James, this was great. Thank you for hanging out. This was a long podcast. Uh, apologies to those of you out there who are like, oh, my God, 52 minutes. What are we supposed to do with ourselves? Uh, appreciate it if you've watched. And uh, sorry there was an episode Monday. Now you just have double the content to replace monday james anything you want the good people to check out there obviously your scotty barnes piece can be checked out uh link in the uh, description below but uh, anything else you'd like to promote here uh i mean the scotty thing is like a it's listed as a 22 minute read so that's another major investment and you just gave me 52 minutes if you really want something else the the piece that i just mentioned it's about the raptors and the grizzlies and the hornets um i i published it on like a week and a half two weeks ago um that, that might be relevant to your interests Go check it out. Go check out everything James does over at CBSSports.com. We will wrap it there. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can subscribe to, rate, review, etc. Wherever you get your podcasts, it's always appreciated. And you can go to YouTube and hit the big red subscribe button to see video every single day. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. Vivek Jacob's going to pop on. We're going to keep on diving into the Sixers-Raptors series. Uh, probably go through sort of our three biggest storylines to watch throughout the series. Three biggest inflection points, if you will in the series tomorrow with big v and we got a lot of preview coming up the rest of the week as well uh and with that we will talk to you again on wednesday uh, with another episode of locked on raptors bye-bye hey prime members you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.